Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Chris, it is championship weekend. We are here, here at last. Thank God Almighty, we are here at last. I'm the first person to ever say that. Why would you, why would you open with an MLK quote? God, what is, you need to put that in the notes. I didn't know we were doing that. I'm in a very inspirational mood today. Maybe it's just the championship week feel. Maybe it's the fact that for the first time in like nine months, it's dipped below 70 degrees in the state of Florida. I don't know what it is. But I'm just saying. degrees move. outside. I've I've had I have a large coffee with four shots in it. We're ready to go. You know it's what's game sad? time. What's sad is I looked at the um, the temp outlook for Atlanta, and I was like, oh man, highs in the low 60s. I'm gonna be a little chilly this weekend. This oh this Florida God. guy. You're I'm, like Allie. Just it. Ugh, it's it's too. bad. It's bad. It's really bad. It's got. I'm a I'm Midwest born and raised, but it it's. Being here for three years, it's it's not good. Um, Bring a jacket and watch Die Hard. Get over it. I know I will. I promise I will. We're going to talk, of course, all things SEC Championship. We want to hit on the Gus Malzahn stuff that, <laughs> oh my gosh, you just have to see to believe the way that this thing has turned. And then I think if we have time, we're going to get to some uh, SEC individual award picks. Before we do all of that, got to talk to you about our friends over at Ticket City. As you know, we are excited to be partnering with them once again for all their ticket needs. Our relationship with them goes back several years as they continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when using Ticket City, and they have the best prices. You're going to need it this weekend. If you're going to go to an ICC championship, you're going to go to any of these conference championship games, ticket prices are outrageous. We're going to get to that, and it might mean too much. But they're not quite as outrageous if you use this promo code. We're going to give you the promo code for Ticket City is CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off your tickets now. That's CMBF10. Get the 10% off all your tickets right now for this upcoming weekend. Maybe you want to use it later for bowl season, something like that. Just whatever you're doing, do it on Ticket City. We have a big-time event in Atlanta. You might have heard... We got to talk to you guys about that too because it's going to be awesome. If you're going to be in Atlanta, you would not want to be anywhere else. Marla, why don't you run through just kind of some of the, the details just so that everybody can, you know, put that put that there little, you know, the little reminder thing uh, on their phone if, if you use that. Um, All right, listen underused. up, guys. <clears throat> so I got a lot of roles in this in this company. I don't I don't know what they all are necessarily, um, but one of them. Happened this week. It was event planning. Uh, we we stumbled upon one of our good friends, Jesse Fowley, who's a big fan of the Facebook Live, as you should be, uh, or Facebook Lives, I should say. Um, hit me up about a and they have a watch party every week for Georgia, uh, Georgia games at Sports and Social in Atlanta. So we have teamed up with Sports and Social in Atlanta. Connor, you've never been. You've never been there. I haven't. I mean, you're from Orlando, so you you've been to Disney World. This place is like Disney World with with booze, like for me, Ooh. it's awesome. Sports and Social is incredible. It's like a double decker, or you just say two story, I think, um, building. Uh, two story right is across what they the say. Yeah. yeah, that's usually what they say. That's what the kids are saying nowadays. Uh, right across from SunTrust Park, so it's in the Battery at Atlanta. Um, right, like literally, you could. I mean, you guys know I don't like to run. You could you could run to SunTrust Park. It's maybe twenty yards away. Um, there's ski ball, there's booze, like I said, and this Friday night, not only are you going to have all those things, you're also going to have our two handsome faces there yeah. uh, doing a little happy hour and Q&A and giving out some free stuff uh, from SDS and from the, uh, or I guess partnering with the UGA Metro Atlanta Alumni Association. 
I always, it's a lot of alliteration. But you don't just have to be a UGA fan to come. We encourage you to come. Fans of all, of all teams. Uh, Bama fans, I'm going to need y'all to show up because I'm going to be there. So we want y'all to be there from 6 to 9, Friday night, the night before the SEC championship game at Sports and Social at the Battery Atlanta. And it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. I mean, we're all we're doing, basically, we ordered a bunch of koozies, a bunch of stickers. We got a bunch of stuff we're going to be giving away. And then we're just going to be having a happy hour, drinking beer, talking about the big game. And then we'll have a Q&A, uh, more formal, where you guys will have a mic and can say whatever you want to us. Um, so I'm really excited. We would love to see you all there. It would really mean a lot. And again, Friday night, 6 p.m. at Sports and Social in the Battery Atlanta. Uh, really, really, really would love to see you all there. If you want to just, if you just want to quote Die Hard the whole time and just make me look like an idiot, that'd yeah. be fine too. I'd even okay, welcome so, people to do that. I don't know if I should tell you this little peel behind the onion that you don't know about, Connor. Oh. And so this is a, this is a live event, right? Now I'm, I've done, I mean, I, not to brag, but I've done stand up for seven years. I love hecklers; it's my favorite thing. Um, but I mean, we're gonna have we're gonna have hot mics, okay? Oh yeah. You're gonna, you're you. We talked. Me and Jesse talked about. It. She's like, is Connor ready for the potential questions that could come his way live, oh, yeah. live, ready to go? Thinking on our feet. I'm excited. I'm excited. Maybe, I do maybe. think better sitting down, but I. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, no, I, I'm excited though. I, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I just want. I would really love to converse with you guys. We'll get some. We'll get some drinks in us, and we'll talk about the game and all that good stuff. Yeah, and we maybe we, we could even watch Pac-12 Championship. That's on Friday night because that's what they do, right? I'm pretty sure that's on Friday night. I don't even care. It is on Friday nobody's... night. I don't know if we're going to be watching it or not because they're going to have our big faces on the giant jumbotrons too. Ooh, sick brag. Yeah. This place is awesome. Take that, Mike Leach. Boom. We're more important than we're your like game. We're like a WAC-12. Oh, yeah, Mike Leach isn't even playing in this game. I totally forgot about that. Take that, Chris Washington Peterson. Is, who called that last week? Boom. Who said Washington was making the playoff this year? Both of us, I think. Yeah. All right, moving Yikes. on. Moving on. All right, SEC Championship this weekend. It's going down. We get the rematch. Georgia, Bama. Nobody's really talking about this in the same light that they were last year for the simple fact that Bama has been so unbelievably dominant since losing in the Iron Bowl last year. And I think that's kind of what has fueled this whole changing of the narrative. If you flash back to this time last year, it was a real conversation about Georgia passing up Bama, Kirby passing up Saban, and all of a sudden Georgia was going to take Bama's place as this power in college football. You know, that goes into the recruiting rankings, all that stuff. We threw that out there. If you just go back and rewind 365 days to this time where Bama was sitting at home and unsure if it was going to make it into the playoff, while Auburn is going into an SEC championship and George is going into an SEC championship, and how much things have changed for Bama since yeah. scoring 14 points. <laughs> Can you picture Bama scoring 14 points in a game this year? Especially against Auburn. I can't oh. imagine Auburn scoring 26. That's a good point. So much has changed for Bama, and is all... I think even if you were someone who was like, all right, Bama's boring, whatever, even if you just look back at these... This, this 14 game stretch, you have to be amazed at how quickly things have turned and how Alabama has elevated up to a new level. We talk about this all the time on here, and this isn't just like, oh, Nick Saban's great, blah, 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 whatever. Just, just think about this. So Alabama last year, 24 points per game against Power 5 Bowl teams. That ain't good. Not good. This year, averaging 38 points per game That's against better. in the same matchups. They've had over, I think they've had over... 41, or they've had over 50 points in three of those games. 
They beat three top four teams in this 14-game stretch. Potential to beat a fourth on Saturday against Georgia. By an average of 16 points. That's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. Georgia was the only team in this 14-game stretch that has been within three scores of Bama. It's pretty impressive. good. Yeah. By the way, Bama also sitting there with the number one recruiting class in the country for 2019. Early signing period is a month away. A lot can change with that. But considering what the narrative was and how Georgia was going to be in this position to take over Bama, and we knew that Georgia was going to have a lot of talent to replace, all that stuff, whatever. Georgia is essentially in the same exact spot that it was last year, where it had the one bad loss, but it's coming into this with a, a division title Still that won't Still a year away. Still a year away, all that stuff. And Bama's a two-touchdown favorite. It's the, it's probably the best 14-game stretch in college football history, at least the any that I can think of and what Bama has been able to do. And I just... It's going to get overlooked because we're going to continue to talk about Bama and whether or not this can be the, this perfect season, all that stuff. But just consider that stretch and how unbelievable it is. And if you're a Georgia fan, even you, like, if you're sitting here with, you know, hoping maybe for an upset this weekend, you're, we're still talking about this like it's, it's a significant upset. And this isn't the same even playing field that we thought it could be at this time last year. Well, and the thing is, one reason why this, the 14 game stretch, one reason it's going to get overlooked is because it doesn't matter. What, what, what matters is how they finish out in the next three games. Right. I, okay. So, but what's, what's impressive and what's alarming to me, I guess, is like, I mean, the national championship win, yeah, it's huge. And I think that really, you start with the 14-game stretch, you talk about what happened with Clemson last year. You know, you're coming off, going into that game, they're coming off a loss, Bama is, against Auburn. And they're going up against number one Clemson, who had been impressive all year. Yep. And they had played these two incredible instant classic back-to-back, you know, in the national championship games um, the two years prior. And then, you know, just going into that game last year, it was a night game in the Sugar Bowl, you're coming off of one of the greatest games I've ever seen with the Rose Bowl. And then to watch this boring, methodical dominance from Alabama. Outside of the Georgia game, that's really the only game that hasn't really, that, that, that hasn't been like that. Every other team has just been absolutely dominated. And it's not, you're right, it's not like, Years past, where it's like, man, Bama's winning by an average of, I think, like 2017, they were winning by an average of 25 points a game. That's really good. But you could see, the, like, the the flaws and the chinks in the armor a little bit when you, you know, playing against Mississippi State and ranked teams and all that kind of stuff. This year, their worst game was against Mississippi State, who's a ranked team in the top 20 in the college football playoff rankings, right? And they beat them 24 to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it's that is they are. This is one of the most impressive teams I've seen in a while, um, and and the reason why I would say what's funny about it is people are are so far behind on the narratives we allowed ourselves and other people, I guess, to to, to make off this this team, is that they're. I mean, they're doing it on offense. The defense isn't as good as it as it, as it used to be. Yeah, it is. The defense is is right back up there to where like in years past where it's been. So now I, I feel like it's. We're not going to count special teams, but outside of that, it seems like a pretty complete team. I like to gauge this based on what we see from people that make early picks in the week, and if something is becoming a little bit more trendy, or maybe you look and see the way that the line moves. I haven't seen anybody that's A, picked Georgia to win this game, and B, I haven't even talked about the trendy like the way in which that happens and we'll get into that later and we'll do something when we talk about our picks like what georgia has to do to win this game basically right 
But I think that that is just telling in itself of where this this is at. Because Georgia is sitting here as the only underdog for a, you know, Georgia's the only team in the top four um, that's going into this weekend as an underdog in a conference championship. And I realize that part of that is because Notre Dame doesn't have a conference championship. Meanwhile, Clemson is a 28-point favorite to beat Pitt. That's a different discussion for a different time. Yeah. But just consider that. And consider the fact that Georgia has been really good the last month and i'm not even i don't even know what a georgia clemson line would look like right now yeah you do i think clemson was a was a 10 point favorite when when, when, when did that come out though oh that's a good point i don't yeah i don't know if they update those lines that's a good yeah point. yeah see okay. that that to me is like you know because you, you just look at what the body work that georgia has been able to put together in these past five games since lsu and georgia yeah. really couldn't be coming into this game much hotter. I mean, they have no. figured out their identity from an offensive standpoint. Jake Fromm is playing the best ball of his career. DeAndre Swift is healthy. Elijah Holyfield, he is not intimidated by Alabama, <laughs> and he is excited for this one, but he's playing really well. So, like, you take all those things and you throw it all in there, and the conversation is still, well, do you think Georgia can stay on the field with Bama? And I think that's stupid because I, they can. They obviously can. And this is – they are peaking at the right time. They're like, they're like watching Oklahoma with a defense. I mean, they are an so not Oklahoma. Yeah, so not Oklahoma. I guess. <laughs> I mean, no, they they really are. They're they're a great team. They've looked great the past five games. They are they are. You could you could make the case that they've looked better than Bama over the past five games. I mean, hell, they weren't tied with the Citadel at any point. Good point. That's a um, good point. And and I'm like all jokes aside, I I genuinely mean that. So I think you know, Georgia has made a case. I for themselves, I think going into this game. It's weird to me that no one's picking the potential upset just because, and I think that speaks more to how dominant um, Bama has been, but where, where the frustration for that maybe lies, especially with Georgia fans, is that kind of, like the, that narrative being built has kind of not done the justice for Georgia in terms of do they belong in the playoff as well? Does this Should this game matter as much? Like, I, I would be frustrated if I was Let, Let's talk about that because Georgia's playoff outlook is a big topic of discussion i think for the potential scenarios that can unfold this weekend and what does georgia need to do to show like is there any way in which georgia can get in with a loss to bama a close loss and i think that the georgia fans are kind of holding out hope that maybe the resume considering that they're coming into this game at number four the way that they've been dominant since lsu could potentially help them in that scenario and not to pour a bunch of cold water on this for georgia fans but i thought about this and now I'm saying that I, I'm going back to what I originally thought. And what I originally thought was that Georgia's path is as, is as clear as, as anybody's. Georgia wins. It's in. No questions asked. It's getting a two or a three seed. Georgia loses, however. Not happening. I don't care if it's a one-point game. I don't care if it goes into overtime. It's not, hap- it's not happening, and here's why. Now, one-point game, I don't know about. Here's, here's why, though. Yeah. Because if Georgia loses this game, Bama wins it. Bama's the number one seed. Yep. The selection oh, committee. That's a good point. The selection committee is not going to put in Georgia at number four and force Bama to play a rematch in this game and basically say, you know what? The SEC championship just didn't matter. Let's yep. throw it out and let's make you guys run it back. SEC championship was an exhibition game. We're not going to do that. And you can't put Georgia in at a number two or a number three spot after it loses. 
So the only scenario in which I could possibly even consider this happening, and yes, I'm, I'm taking into the you know the Oklahoma loss, the Ohio State loss, yeah. and, and and even the uh, dominant UCF win, all that stuff. I'm taking that all into consideration. The only scenario is if Clemson pukes on its shoes and loses as a 28 point favorite, and that's not going to happen. See, I disagree. I think if 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 Ohio State and Oklahoma both lose, this game doesn't matter, and Georgia's in, in my opinion. I mean, because you're talking. So you think they run it back? You think they run it back? Without a doubt, I think they might. They might switch it up, and so and where. I don't know. How close game? I I mean, they'll do something because first off, Georgia's better than those two teams. I agree. I agree. Oklahoma is is. I'm not. So I got into an argument with my friend Nate Owens, who is a. They have a great podcast here in Atlanta, and and he's a great guy. He's a big West Virginia fan. And he, he got so mad about how he was like, why is the narrative about Big 12 how there's no defense instead of just praising the offense? I'm like, because there is no defense. There's absolutely no defense. That being said, the argument between Oklahoma and Ohio State shouldn't be as close as it is. Ohio State lost by four touchdowns to an unranked team. Oklahoma, I don't care how bad their defense is, they've given up 40 points per game in the last four games, or at least 40 points in the last four straight games. They lost to Texas by But three. it's not just about the loss. It's about the entire resume. It's about top 25 wins. It's about all that stuff. I understand sure, what you're sure. saying. All that, but it, that's, that's what that, that argument that you, you're making helps Georgia. I mean, it, it makes no sense to me that we can, I mean, you're talking about you're going through a, a schedule, and their non-conference schedule was not that tough, and it wasn't nearly as tough as last year. But when you're talking about coming down, like we, we just moved Ohio State up. I mean, we just moved Ohio State up, what, four spots? Because this impressive win over Michigan, who I think has been a facade of a of a team for most of the year, and we won ten straight games. I mean, let's congrats you know. in the Big Ten. I mean, like Michigan is a joke in my when you when you're playing teams like Michigan State and you're beating what twenty eight to seven, and we're celebrating that Michigan State was was a was not a very good football team. Georgia went on the road. They lost in LSU in the toughest environment in all of college football. They got beat by twenty. It looked bad. And ever since then, they they played three straight teams that were ranked, and they they they've dominated and gotten better week after week after week. They haven't had one of these games where they've had to go down to the wire like Oklahoma has because their defense is garbage, or they've had to beat Maryland. Thank God because of like a two point conversion. Georgia's a better team than both these other teams. But you're right, they will not run it back, and they they won't run it back. They won't run it back. That's what it comes down to. Unless Ohio State and Oklahoma both lose, I think it would be a travesty if Georgia didn't get in. I'm just saying. They're not going to sit there and put all of a sudden decide, you know what? Same teams. We're just going to do this again. Then who gets in? Who gets in in that scenario? You know who it is. Michigan? No, I'm saying saying that's the only scenario in which UCF gets in. Oh, there's no way. It's the only scenario. I I think, honestly, it would be a disservice to UCF. At that point, the selection committee just says, and and by the way, that's only only dependent on UCF, like, Winning by a ton of points and looking just as good offensively as they did with Mackenzie Milton. Right. But and I think the selection losing the the selection committee, who is which has never put in a two loss team, and you know the only two loss teams that have been in consideration have been conference champions. I think at that point they just say, you know what, let's just see this Bama UCF matchup. What their jo- their job right now is to set up matchups, and that is their their hope. They want to set up competitive matchups, I think is, don't get me wrong, I think Georgia's the better team, I think Georgia's got the better resume, all that stuff, but I keep coming back to the belief that they are not going to run it back if that happens. Now, we're talking about a wild scenario in which X, Y, and Z has to happen, and I don't think that's going to happen. 
No, but we're also talking about a scenario in which Ohio State would be losing to Northwestern. Ohio State's going to be a two-touchdown favorite in that game. I wouldn't necessarily expect that to happen. So this is all like far-fetched. It's very, you know, it's it's very theoretical type stuff. But it is worth it is worth noting because you know Georgia does play this game before Ohio State plays that night game. So we're going to have a little bit of clarity and Georgia fans maybe potentially doing some scoreboard watching after the game. I'm just saying. I think it's pretty clear for Georgia. I still think this is a win and in scenario and lose, and that's that's just the reality of the situation. So I, Man. I, I know it, it's it's weird because I, I went back and forth on this, but then I kept coming back to that. I'm like, just just can't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, I guess who? So who who do you think gets in? Because if if Oklahoma and and Ohio State both win, you know Ohio State's getting in. No, I, I think if, if, if all things are neutral and if Ohio State, and let's say they both win by like 21 points, Oklahoma's getting in. They, they tipped their hand on so? Tuesday night. Yeah, the body of work. It's about the body of work throughout the entire process. And what they showed us on Tuesday night is that Oklahoma's resume is still more trustworthy. Ohio State coming into that Michigan game was ranked number 10 in the country for a reason. It did not look like a top four right. team for a very long stretch of the season. Yeah, I got that really quality win against Michigan. That's a better win than anything that Oklahoma has. But it's still about the entire body of work. And yeah, if I Oklahoma right. takes care of business, Oklahoma's going to be in Ohio and State. I hope that's what it is, too. because because this And this is what's frustrating for me, and this has been a lot of Ohio State fans have, have a lot of things that Ohio State fans have said this week is you know you shouldn't it shouldn't just be about it shouldn't just be about um the one loss like in the same thing as last year like well we had one loss we had one bad loss to Iowa yeah you lost to an unranked team by more than four touchdowns and then lo and behold you did it again you talk about like showing up and throwing up on your shoes like yeah like if you went to the like, prom as a junior and pissed your pants and then showed up the next year and it was like, you got this dude, don't do it, don't do it. You made a bathroom break before you got here, don't have any punch, make sure you're just, you're, you wore the pee pads, all that good stuff. And then you're like, you know, I don't know, boys to men comes on, you're like, oh, here we go again. And you pee yourself again. You're like, why did I wear a white tux? I don't know, Ohio State, why did you wear a white tux? So anyway, we need to make sure we save that clip. Um, but like oh, Ohio State talking about how, like, well, it's, it's one loss, it's one loss. It is one loss, but where they get themselves in trouble this year, and you're right, it, it should be the body of work, where they should be in trouble for this year, where they should be penalized, is it's one win. It's one impressive win they've had all season. And it's their whole body. I mean, like, I, I heard somebody, I think Jesse Palmer said last night, and he's like, we saw what they're finally capable of doing. I was like, well, cool, man. That's awesome. It took 11 games for y'all to get, or 12 games for y'all to get there. The rest of the season, what were y'all doing? Pee in your pants. I just kept thinking of Buckshot Calvert wearing the white tux. <laughs> if peeing your pants is cool, consider me Urban Meyer. So, I mean, yeah, the whole thing is, is I, I think it's going to end up being a travesty if Georgia loses, and we'll get to our picks later about that. I mean, if you're an SEC fan, you want Georgia to win. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it creates the perfect scenario because I think I think Bama's in already. Oh, I think the yeah. ticket is, is punched. I don't think that there's, you know, Contrary to what Danny Cannell said, I don't think there's any question about it that Bama is in. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but gosh. man, I and, and I a new I low love, for him. A it, new it was, low. It honestly, it honestly was, and I've I've said this the past couple weeks. I really actually like Danny Cannell, and I know what he's doing, and I get it. And and like, there, I mean, you, we've had this conversation with other people, and like, dude, they're trolling. Just don't, just don't bite into it. I'm like, no, I'm gonna bite into it right now. And this this whole thing about like the LSU rank, like. One, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. 
We're going to get to it and it might mean yeah. too much, so we'll, we'll talk about it later. But let's let's pick this game um, because Georgia, I, I, I want to I just map out this scenario and say this is how Georgia wins this game. I don't think this actually happens, but Georgia wins this game if it has the best pass rushing game of its entire season and it discovers what's been a weakness for this group throughout the year and it gets pressure on Tua in the same way that Mississippi State does, but... It also then, you know, Georgia's got more offensive firepower than Mississippi State did, of course. So from a defensive standpoint, they follow that model. Basically what I'm saying is Georgia plays the perfect game, and that's the only way that Georgia has a chance to win. But it starts with getting the pass rush onto it and then just hoping that you hit 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 on enough big-time plays. I don't think that happens, but what is your pick for this game? Well, no, you go first. All right, I'll go first. I've been saying all week 45-28 Bama. Now, I'm going to say this. And I'm, I'm going to be as non-biased as I can. I grew up in the state. I've watched this a bazillion times. Uh, there's not one part of me that is worried about this game from Alabama. And I, and I think more so than anything, it's because of the outcome. The outcome doesn't matter for Bama fans. But I also don't think Georgia has enough to necessarily beat Alabama. Like, I think it's one of those things where... You're gonna to beat Bama. You're gonna have to get up by two scores early and put them in a panic mode. Put them in a situation they haven't been in before. They are gonna get after Tua. They're gonna have to blitz him. They're gonna they're gonna have to get. They are gonna run the football against Alabama. This this rush defense is not as good as it has been. Don't get me wrong. It's good. It's real good. But they are gonna have to run the football and they're gonna have to get big plays. And I think that's the biggest thing that separates the, like this these two teams. So. Bama's like fourth in the country with teams or with plays over 20 yards or more explosive plays. Georgia's number one in the country in defense and has been for the entire year for plays they've given allowed that are 20 or more yards. They've only given up 25 all season. So Georgia's going to have to gash Bama a couple times with DeAndre Swift and all that kind of stuff, get some big plays, maybe Michael Hardman. I don't know, maybe a block punt. Maybe a block punt where all 11 men are onside. I don't know. I don't know. Regardless, I don't think it happens just because that's you're asking this team to do a lot and you're also asking them to to not to, to be able to stop what Tua does and and I think that where the game is won like when I talk about the explosive plays if you're going to have to bring somebody extra to get to Tua and pressure Tua right which means then you have Jerry Judy on an island Henry yeah. Ruggs, Irv Smith Josh Jacobs Devonta Smith all of them Devonta Smith won the national championship game last year, and he's like the least heralded player on this offense. You're, I mean, Irv Smith is going to have a field day. Josh Jacobs is going to have a field day. I just don't think they can do it for that. I mean, when you bring, they're going to have to bring pressure, and when they do, you're going to be in trouble for most of the day. So you're I, picking Georgia is what you're saying. I, I think Georgia covers. I think it's a 10-point game. I think I think they Whoa. score late. It's a backdoor cover. I think Bama wins. I mean, honestly, because I, I can see Georgia getting out. To, I, I, will, I will bet you this. If you, if you can make the bet that Georgia is leading or tied at halftime with Bama winning, which is that would be a big payoff, make that bet. Because I think Georgia leads at halftime and Bama wins by, four, or by, by 10 to close the game. What's the final? Uh, I'll say Bama 38, Georgia 28. All right. Picking the same exact total for Georgia as I did, whatever. That's cool. Did you really? No, big deal. no you said yeah. 45, 45, 28. I said 38, 28. Yeah, same total oh, for Georgia. Georgia. Oh, okay, yeah. cool, whatever. Uh, let the record show 38, that... 27 There you go. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let the record show... Just have an original thought. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I just went what, on and on. 
That's what Michael says to Dwight when Dwight's looking over and he's like, yeah, I, I hate her too. And they're talking about Holly because it's Holly's first day uh, yeah. taking over for Toby. And, and Michael's like, just have an original thought. Dude, I got one so, time. so pissed last night because we're watching uh, an office marathon and they cut it off right before the final two episodes. They do that on purpose. That's bullcrap, because now when am I going to watch it? On Netflix, Sunday morning anytime at 9 you want. Well, we lost the Apple remote, or I lost the Apple remote. That's another thing you got to know about before you get here on Friday. Anyway, moving on. One thing you also need to know about Friday, my man, oh, yeah. is Connor's going to be staying with Uncle Chris this weekend. You know what that means, brother. We're going to be bunking up. No, we will be sleeping in separate rooms. However, you are going to be exposed to living with Uncle Chris. You should have just ended the sentence right there. You're going to be exposed. (laughs) You're going to be exposed to living with Uncle Chris, which means three meals a day. You know what we're going to be having. Texas Pete and Bud Light. Texas Pete and Bud Light, brother. (laughs) Woo! Uh, You're going to have eggs with Texas Pete in them for breakfast. You're going to have a a mid-morning snack with Texas Pete in it. Uh, You're going to have a lunch. This is all before noon, man, Um, with some fried chicken and some Texas Pete. Anyway... Bottom line, you guys know how I love my Texas Pete. When I when I double fist on game days, it's usually with two bottles of Texas Pete hot sauce. So, uh, I love it. You love it. Hell, we all love it. So, when you are going to tailgate this weekend, make sure you are at a tailgate and not a failgate. Ooh. And make sure, yeah, that's right. So, make sure you have the Texas Pete ready and willing. Oh, I don't know why I said willing. That was weird. Ready and ready to go. How about that? Boom. Nailed it. Make sure you have the TexasPete.com. Slash tailgating for all these recipes they have. There's a bunch of videos we have out. We're um, <laughs> tailgating with Texas Pete. Uh, it was a lot of fun to shoot those in Orlando. Y'all, I love Texas Pete. It'll definitely be a part of my game day weekend. We'll make sure we'll chronicle all of that this weekend. Make sure it's a part of your weekend as well. Tailgating with Texas Pete. There you go. So new things that I'm going to be. I mean, you know, I've had Texas Pete before, but like Not new like this, things. Brother. Marler things that I should be prepared for this weekend. Um, and, and I get Die Hard's not like a Marler thing. It's an everyone thing. Just an everyone except. Yeah. Uh, so watching Die Hard, um, Texas Pete on every meal, uh, going to Whataburger. So there's no Whataburger um, in Atlanta. Oh. Sorry, sorry, I raised my voice. We, we, yeah, you we got had really a, excited about well, that. Well, we had a Whataburger experience in Tuscaloosa, and... Um, and we waited for 35 minutes for our food, and the entire place was in disarray because I don't know what happened. But there were people waiting for over an hour for food from Whataburger. For shame. And people standing in line calling corporate. Like, and then, like, it was, it was I wish I would have recorded it, but I looked like trash. So, what you need to make sure you are ready for this weekend. I mean, we're men, man. We're going to have Texas Pete with every meal. We're going we're gonna to go on riverboat gambling trips. Let's do it. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Now let's talk to somebody who's not having a great week. (laughs) Well, it depends how you look at it because Gus Malzahn does get to keep his job reportedly. So Auburn Undercover's Philip Marshall reported that, and maybe this is going to change by the time that we're done recording this, but as of right now, this was reported on Tuesday, that Auburn is on the verge of agreeing to some new buyout terms with Gus Malzahn and that he would still be under his current contract, but with some modifications. One of them being that it would make it really difficult for him to remove Chip Lindsey as offensive coordinator. Now, Chip (laughs) Lindsey, interestingly enough, is in the hunt to replace Tyson Helton at Tennessee. That's that's reportedly maybe that's going to come out in the next couple hours. I don't know. Maybe Tennessee is going to start running fake jet sweeps to their kicker. Gosh, I have no idea why they would want to do that. There are a million guys I'd rather have. Tennessee's offense is garbage anyway. Why would they want? Ugh. 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 
Is that a um, lateral move or is that just, I mean. I mean, it's a, I'm getting out of Auburn move. That's what that would be. That's like if you're like, if like you know what, dude? I, like, I, I ended up like ditching that girl I was dating for a while for her sister. But her sister was like a Siamese twin. Like, oh, well, what? It's the same person, dude. It's disgusting. It is different, though, in, in this. Um, you know, Jeremy Pruitt last year gave Tyson Helton like $1.1 or $1.2 million to run the offense because that's not Jeremy Pruitt's thing. Yeah. And he put it entirely in his hands, whereas Chip Lindsey at Auburn, obviously, he's got Gus on his shoulder saying, hey, what are you doing there? Hey, hey, what's going on? Hey, let's do it my way. That play, um, that play won't work, ain't worth a dog crap. That, your Gus is really good. It's really I, I, first off, I would like to. I, I don't know if we're allowed to say this or not, but I think we should stop calling him Gus Malzahn after this and start calling him Cuck Malzahn because he is really, really embarrassing himself. Is that we not allowed to say that? No, I don't know if we're allowed to say that. <laughs> okay. we, well, we'll, we'll check with the bosses to, to see if we're allowed to. Get just, that what one is he doing though? Like he had so much leverage. Less than, you talk about the three hundred sixty-five days. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's an interesting discussion in itself. So Auburn has essentially said if you're going to stick around here you're going to do so with some tweaks and modifications just showing auburn's reminding everyone that contracts don't really mean anything because last year let us not forget that jay jacobs was essentially a lame duck ad and he gave gus Malzahn a seven-year 49 million dollar contract somebody lit you up on twitter about that earlier i mean whatever come at me um so okay i wrote why i thought this whole thing with gus Malzahn. Whether you agree with it, whether you're pro-Gus, whether you're anti-Gus, whatever. Why Auburn is the most bizarre Power 5 job there is. Yeah. It, it, it is so, so strange when you think about this. Because if you just look at Gus Malzahn's buyout terms, that alone would make you pause. So, I'm trying not to laugh, this is, I'm, but I'm not doing very good. You're not succeeding. If, if you're not familiar with this and you are curious about what these current buyout terms look like, here's what they are. So everybody's talked about the $32 million in 2018. That's what it would cost Auburn to, to, to fire him. 2019, that number is still at $27 million. 2020, it's at $21 million. 2021, it's at $16 million. 2022, $11 million. 2023, $5 million. So it's 75% of the remaining deal is is the buyout. And we don't know if, if these things are going to get are gonna get tweaked. And there's a lot of times when, if you actually go back and look at some of the, the language, the like the offset language in the contract, it's a little bit different than what gets reported. So, you know, things like this can be misconstrued. But it's very clear that Auburn's buyout for Gus Malzahn is absurd, and nobody can really believe that it's that it's at this level. And the fact that he is renegotiating his contract after year one—that is—it's baffling. Yeah, and not in a good way. Not like in a "we're going to attack a year on because you've been so great" type way. Um, so there's all that that's on the table, and I just want people to to consider this because. People might look at Gus Malzahn and say, yeah, this is typical SEC. You win seven games when you're a preseason top 10 team, and you think, yeah, coach should be on the hot seat. That's the way it works in this business. I get all that. Here's what I don't get. Go back to Gene Chizik. You could say that Gene Chizik <laughs> deserved to be fired, but we're going to lump him into this conversation. Let's do it, yeah. We're going we're gonna to throw him in there. Gene Chizik went to a national championship. He won a national championship. He won a Gus national Malzahn championship. went to a national championship, lost a national championship, but... In his first year. In his first year, right, year one. If Auburn did fire Gus Malzahn, and it looks like they're not going to, and they're just going to rework these the terms of this deal, whatever, 
Auburn would have fired two coaches that went to national championship games this decade. Yeah. They would have, if they had fired Gus Malzahn this year and decided that $32 million was worth eating, that is two coaches that you fired who went to national championship games that you decided $40 million will eat that. Because they gave, they gave Gene Chizik $7.5 million to walk. Uh, so, huh? so all of that taken into consideration, $40 million to pay two coaches not to work after they went to national championships for you, that thought in itself, I can't get over how unbelievably rare that would be to, considering how tough it is to get to a national championship. I'm not saying that Gus Malzahn is necessarily no, the world's no, no, no. greatest coach, but that thought in itself is wild. And let's, and let, this is where I have a hard time understanding, I've, and I've long since said Auburn has better fans, they have more rational fans, all their fans went there. They're not in the 85% that Bama fans are. Like you are. This, yeah, ex- exactly like me. I've, I've always said that. This got brought up on Twitter, and I, wanted, I want to discuss this. This is one of the reasons why I have a, a, this long-standing theory and, and assessment of all fans as being absolutely delusional about their, their <laughs> like, what's that line from Drake? Know yourself, know your worth. And I'm not, Auburn's a great school. It's a beautiful campus. It academically better than Bama. Great. Beautiful campus, beautiful co-eds, all those things. This person says, Stu Man for AU, every coach since the 80s, starting with Dye, who won several trophies, has either gone undefeated or won the SEC. Chances are you'll win. If you don't, you'll get rich trying. Auburn has some of the deepest pockets, in parentheses, billionaire boosters in the country. And he's right. He's right. But what's weird about that is what you just said. So, if if this this kind of like either win or go home mentality, that makes sense at a place like Alabama, where you have, let's just say, twelve real national championships, not even the fake ones they made up. So twelve real ones. Auburn doesn't have that kind of history. This it's bizarre to me that this is a team that when they redid their locker room last year after the national championship game, they actually painted a a giant thing on the wall said 2017 SEC West champions. That was after you lost the conference title game and watched your in-state rival win a national championship. If y'all had won if y'all had won a bunch of national titles and you were used to this kind of mentality where it's like, you know, you you have to win here or you're gone. I don't care how much money we have sunk into this. But no, you go out and you hire Gene Chizik who was at a who had a five and nineteen career record as a head coach and pay him millions of dollars Shout out Iowa State. Shout out Iowa State. And then you bring in a high school coach that was a a high school coach no more. No, he was. And it was in 2006. Like, that's not a very long time from 2006. It definitely was. That is is an actual. I I wish you could see how your your computer screen is frozen right now. And the face you're making looks like an incredible emoji. That being said, they hired Gus Malzahn. I'm not saying Malzahn's not a great coach. Or actually, I am. He's not a great coach. He's a good coach. But what you guys are doing down there, it speaks so highly to, to just putting yourselves on blast to knowing that the athletic department and people that are running the university aren't running these decisions. This is a group, a small group of good old boys 
And when you say high-powered officials, just say what you mean. Just say Jimmy Rain, Yellowwood, and like four other dudes that are making all these decisions, that, w- that are tired of being boosters and, and shelling out millions of dollars for your basketball arena and your football program and these giant stupid jumbotrons, and then going 7-5. Just say what it is. I'll get off my soapbox. That was a good one. That was pretty good. It's just, I mean, I've, I, I really, I fully mean it when I say Auburn has better fans, they're more rational and all that kind of stuff, but when they do stuff like this, it blows my mind because it's like, dude, $32 million for a buyout that you're willing to, they're willing to pay. There's a flip side to this, and I'm, I'm going to kind of correct what I said on Twitter the other day where I don't, think... Don't, I, leave it. <laughs> so what I said on Twitter, uh, I'll get the exact quote pulled up here, but it was essentially Gus Malzahn's current predicament. Current predicament is why um, I think Auburn is like one of the worst Power 5 jobs to have, at least like during, you know, while you're there, and that I think, you know, of course, until the buyout kicks in. So the flip side of this is is actually Auburn one of the like ten best power five jobs ha- to have because it's essentially a get rich quick scheme. Yes, yes. I mean that's that's what it is. <laughs> like you get this job if you're a group of five coach, you're a high school coach, whatever. Uh, you're a power five coach who hasn't had a whole lot of success, and you go and you get that money from Auburn. Surely. You're gonna have you're gonna have some great moments. You're gonna get to roll tumors corner a few times at least because you've got the resources to do it. You've got the recruiting to do it. You got the history. You got the fan support. You, you got go. all that stuff. You're gonna have some great moments. You're gonna have a lot of fun times, and then after four years, they're gonna be like, hey, you know what? We're sick of you. Here is X amount of dollars. Here's a blank check. Never work a day again. And you're in gonna your mysteriously life. disappear because you know. All the inside secrets of how this actual this operation actually runs, and that is why Gene Chizik was brought in. And let's not forget, I don't care how this sounds, Connor. Let me just get this out there. If you think this sounds delusional or crazy or any of that, never forget that when Cam Newton was being recruited by Gene Chizik, who was a five and nineteen coach, on December eleventh, the second week of the, of December, this is an early enrollee kid. That second week of December, his final three teams he was considering were Kansas State, Tennessee, and Mississippi State, and he miraculously ended up at Auburn. The AD is not making these decisions. This is why $32 million isn't a lot of money. If it ain't got yellow on it, you don't want it. Trust me. I think, uh, too, interesting in that story, uh, that Auburn undercover uh, for uh, 24-7 sports, This I don't think this story had Alan Green's name in it. Alan Green, of course, is the first-year Auburn AD who took over for Jay Jacobs and wasn't in that story. So that just kind of... That that kind of says it all about what the involvement is in this whole thing. This whole this whole story with with Gus is just see to believe it type stuff. Only happens in the SEC. Does not happen no. anywhere else. No. And I think it just speaks to kind of the nature of this job. The, the current state of panic, given that you're looking at Georgia potentially being this power for the next 20 years. And then if you look over at Bama, and yeah, maybe you could potentially see this time three, four years from now, where maybe Saban decides he wants to fade off into the sunset. But then there's the possibility that Dabo is 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 coming in. That's the other thing that was interesting in all this too is that you had the report come out about. Bob Stoops potentially yeah. being linked to this job, and maybe that there there were some talks there, and then he quickly comes out and shoots that down, and there you know you the saw report plane tracker, right? Plane trackers, which mean everything in these this day and age, and it can totally be like a scout or something like that. Yeah. But we never talk about that. Um, there's there's that whole thing, and and I, I was talking to, about this with uh, with uh, our, our editor uh, Chris Wright, and saying how. If they were actually going to fire Gus, the crazy thing is, is that they would probably do it to make a Jimbo Fisher like offer to their next coach. Right. You know, they would oh, they would that, basically that is... give him like a seventy five million dollar contract guarantee. And, and and again, and and uh, like 
I think it's getting further. Bobby Louder is not running this organiz- this whole thing anymore, and the guy who had Victory Land has now passed away. Rest in peace. But when those three were in charge, and that's not that's not a far fetched thing. You, you talk about like Auburn getting a guy and and getting a big name like that and going t- for ten years, seventy five million. That's not far fetched at all. But when you talk about like only in the SEC, you explain to me that how less than a decade ago, or right over a decade ago. A program like this that has this much pride in hiring a head coach and, and, the, and at this university and, and a commitment to winning, why in the hell are they hiring a coach that was five and nineteen as a career head coach record, head coaching record? Shout out Gene Chizik. We got to get him on sometime soon. Same haircut as Ed Orgeron. He's a, he's a long overdue uh, guest that we'll, I don't we'll know definitely we have should, on. Honestly, after what I just said, I don't know if we should do that. But let's move yeah, on. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, Real quick, by the way, just get ready for, if you thought uh, the state of Alabama blew up in 2013 after kick six, just wait until just wait until Dabo, who is pretty frustrated with Clemson right now, yeah. decides to walk and go over to Auburn and sign like some 10-year, $10 million deal, or 10-year, $100 million deal, just pull like the John Gruden or something like awesome. that. That would be um, awesome. I that hope that came fantastic. off as more uh, factual, because those were facts and not, <laughs> not James Carville. <laughs> no, I think, I think, I think what we said, I think what we said is, is factual. And I, I don't, I don't mean to say that like to hate on Auburn. I, I just I think, do. I think it's fascinating. I think that the way that the, this whole thing has developed and how they value contracts is just, it's, it, it's mind blowing. And it's, it says a lot about the currency to college speak, football. Yeah, but, and, but own who you, own who you are. Like I said, like like Drake said, know yourself, know your worth, but do not do this whole thing about being how like we're a family and we're all in and we're committed to each other, and then go out and hire fall guys like Gene Chizik and then like and Bruce Pearl's your basketball coach. Get out of here. That whole uh, oh, get it. All right, move on, move on. We need to stop. Let's talk SEC individual awards. I gotta go to church. Uh, <laughs> let's let's map out. We got Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, and we can even throw in. Do we want to do a Freshman of the Year? I mean, I think our yeah, Freshman we of the do Year. A freshman of the Year. It's it's pretty obvious, right? I don't it's, know. It's it's Jalen Waddle, probably, right? What about that kid from Tennessee? Was he a freshman? Garantano was not a freshman. Not Garantano, the the defensive player. You could you could probably go through and find a bunch of guys around the conference who okay. are very worthy. <laughs> I I suggested Jalen Waddle kind of. Tug in cheek, joking know, that I left yeah. him off my top ten list this this year. I let's figured. just do let's do offensive, defensive, and, and coach of the year. I think the offensive is as obvious as anything is right now. Um, two is winning this award. There's no questions about it. My my question more so is just how will his season be remembered? Um, is it going to be considered better than 2012 Johnny Manziel, 2007 Tim Tebow? Well, Tebow is it 50? Tebow had 50 touchdowns, but not for, you know, that, that was a team that only won eight games I'm that offended. year. I'm, well, including the bowl game, too. I'm offended you left off 2010 Cam, and I actually mean that. 2010 Cam should be on there as well. I just didn't and have I, enough room on that line. I, I So I think that is what separate. I, I think that is probably the better example than 2012 yeah. Manziel. And Because and Manziel caught lightning in a bottle late. Like, none of that Heisman talk is really happening. God, I wish you could see how your face is frozen on this picture right now. Um but that, that that didn't really catch on until late when he beat Bama, and then they mm-hmm. went on this stretch where it was like, I mean, do you remember that Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma where he had like 550 yards of offense? I mean, they, he, what he was doing was crazy. Cam was just this, and I, I, I can say it from a Bama fan watching it, was like this whole season it was like, okay, when is it going to stop? At some point, surely he, he you like, it's fourth and one. At some point, surely somebody will stop him, and it was like, nope. Nope, no. nope. He was just so dominant the whole year, and he was so great. 
So I would say it, it was on that kind of level, but I wouldn't. I don't even know if it was as. He has so much more help around him than that 2010 season. And it's tough because we're comparing two to three quarterbacks who have the rushing numbers to back it up as well. So yeah. it's a little bit. It's just a little bit different from a passing standpoint. I think no question about it. Tua has had the best single season of any SEC quarterback in the 21st century. I don't think there's much debate about that. Right. Considering that he's gonna, he already has more than 40 total touchdowns, 36 passing, five rushing. And basically nine games yeah, because he hasn't played in the fourth quarter of all these games. So, you know, three total fourth quarter passes all year. Honorable mention for these, maybe you could add some if, you, if there are some that come to mind. I, I left off Benny Snell. I left off Benny yeah, Snell from have. honorable mention. I Just because I think some of the production, you know, from an efficiency standpoint wasn't kind of where it needs to be if you're a conference player of the year uh, honoree. But I did include Travion Williams, Jerry Judy, and A.J. Brown. Yeah. Now, Trevion Williams, I think, is the is the main one. I, that, yeah. he, what a season, man. Good for him. Tremendous year. I mean, can't say enough about what he's been able to do in Jimbo Fisher's offense. He talked about how excited he was to play with a fullback, to play with you know an offense that wasn't just spread it out. He would have games where he'd be invisible you know, under Kevin Sumlin. And he's going to be one of those guys. I, I, I He's going to be really interesting NFL draft study. I don't know if that's going to be this year or next year, but guy's gotten a ton of work throughout his college career and has delivered. He's definitely worthy. He'll be a first-team guy. Yeah. Let's go SEC, SEC Defensive Player of the Year because I think this is a lot more debatable, and I think you can go in a lot of different directions with this. I, I have six, five guys for honorable mention, and I think you can make a good case for all of them. You missed one, too. I probably – did I admit uh, Deontay Thompson? Nope. Who's the one? Okay, so honorable mention I have Quinnen Williams, Grant Elpit, Devin White, Jeffrey Simmons, Montez Sweat. Dejon Harris, man. Dejon Harris, Arkansas would have been a good let, ad. Let, me, right. he let leads, the conference in, in tackles. Leads conference in tackles. And he was that second would have been last year, too. So, so I would have him on there just as an honorable mention. This is a two-man race. It's between Quinnen and, and Josh Allen. Agreed. And, and honestly, I think the most impressive for me between the two is Montez Sweat, only because... Montez Sweat did it two years in a row. It's hard for a sack guy to do this two years in a row mm-hmm. when you're able to start, you know, kind of shifting your your line and and like you know being able to, I guess, like protect your quarterback and shift protection like on your line. Um, I mean, he put a double digit sacks last year. He's he's a beast. He's so he's, fun to watch. I, I love watching when when he's like, with all due respect to any tackles out there who have had to face him. It's actually really fun to watch a tackle who is jumping off, who is jumping, you know, false starts and, yeah. and clearly is overmatched by him. He was fun to watch in the Egg Bowl, but I think I think defensive player of the year is Josh Allen, and I think that it's because of the all-around stuff, right? So we talk about how leads. He's second in the country in sacks. He's got 14 sacks, and even when he isn't getting sacks on the quarterback. You know, like that Mississippi State game. We're only in one sack in that game, but he took over in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And he's got, you know, the numbers are great, 18 and a half TFLs. He's got five forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. But to me, what stands out with him is not just that he's an edge rusher, but that he is so good in pass coverage. Yes. He has made so many big-time plays. He's a complete player. He's everything you would want to have in the middle of your defense. And I think to me, just what he's meant to that program and that team this yeah. year in this historic season, I think he's going to be the, the guy who ends up winning it. And and I think he deserves it, to be honest. And so there was a thing on, on uh, Thinking Out Loud the other day on SC Nation, and they were talking about this. And it was talking about Josh Allen, like what his, I guess like his yearbook, like his senior quote would be in like a yearbook. And it was, see you next year, Khalil, or something like that. Like he, he, is, he has been like a Khalil Mack type player in the mm-hmm. SEC. 
And I thought going into the season that would be more of like a Devin White type guy. But you're right, man. He can get he can get off the corner. He can get you like in the backfield. He can he can cover in space. And we saw him do it, especially early on in the season. He kind of fell off later on in the year. But he we saw him do it in key games and in key moments in key games. Um where his entire entire like repertoire of talents was was on display, like we, I, I brought up a bazillion times, being in pass coverage and being able to like get a, get a huge break like pass breakup against Florida, that that was one of the most impressive things I've seen for the year. Now that being said, Quinn Williams, he will win almost every defensive award nationally. I know, right? He's unblockable. It's so stupid. It there was a time on Saturday when some somebody was down and I yelled out as loud as that better not be. Blank Quinnen, because that kid is so instrumental to the success of Bama's defense. It's tenfold with Josh Allen. He is he has just been everything, and that's saying something considering you got Cash Daniel too. Good point. Really good point. Yeah. Josh Josh Allen won SEC Defensive Player of the Week honors four times this year. That is that's stupid. a month of the season. <laughs> so stupid. Or is the best individual player right. on the defensive side of the conference? Well, and he's, and, 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 and on those weekends, I would say like a lot of times he was the best player on the field, hands down. Yeah, no questions asked. Tremendous year. He'll be fun to watch at the next level. He's he's going to be a first-round guy. Quinton Williams will be. Damn Devin it. White. I mean, all these guys are going to be well, first-round Well, they got 11 picks. right now, like, projected. I really wish this next one you would have had somebody else picked. Mm, I'm, I'm saying SEC Coach of the Year. I know he didn't end the regular season the way that he wanted to, but I'm saying Ed Orgeron still gets it. I and mean... Yeah, you can, you can go. You can go Stoops. <laughs> you can go Mullen. You can go Saban. You could even throw out, like like what we talked about before with, with Peter Burns, how Kirby Smart probably deserves to at least be in the conversation considering where George is at this season. But I think Coach O gets it because we're talking about an LSU team that had its lowest over-under preseason win total projection, all that stuff, in I don't know how many years. A very long time, I imagine. And LSU is sitting in position where it could potentially earn its first New Year's Six Bowl of the playoff era. Yeah. Let's not let's let's not you know just dismiss that accomplishment just because it's not a playoff game. That that is very significant. That means yes. a lot for that program. Yeah, I, it's it's a, it's Ordron. It's not even close. So you don't you don't think Stoops is going to be? No. You don't think they're going to do like a co coach of the year I, I and said go that Stoops earlier and, in the year that I think he could do a co and it, it might help out the fact. You know what's what's crazy to me is that you left off. Um, Fisher in general, no one's. Jimbo should be on there. Jimbo should be on there too. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm not as impressed with what Mullen did, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, it's, I'm kind of over the argument about it. He returned 20 starters, and I understand that starters went four and eight last year, or four and seven, four and seven, whatever. I mean, either way, like, I'm, that is so stupid, and 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 I've gotten roasted on Twitter by this about like because that one week where I threw out Pruitt after I got caught up in the moment, I forgot to put Dan Mullen, blah blah blah. Think about what Orgeron has had to face versus what Mullins had to face. There's no expectations that really matter. It's your first year. You have a built-in excuse. Stoops, same way. Saban and Smart, I would take them off because in this year, I think it's been really impressive what they've done, but not what Orgeron's had to deal with, especially with that schedule, which is the hardest schedule, I think, in, in the country. What he's done is has been incredible to watch. It's strange to think that we just basically talked about half of the SEC coaches being up for Coach of the Year, <laughs> and I don't think we're going to see an SEC coach get fired. That is ridiculous. That is baffling. Yeah, yeah I would agree um, with that. 
We moving we're on to fourth and wrong? Uh, we got a lot of good questions to get to in fourth and wrong. We got five of them right here. I like this first one. I like this first one a lot. Why don't you read this? So, I, and I even added one at the very end. And by the way, you know what I just realized with the Coach O talk? There's no more Ed Talks this year. Oh, there? there's still Ed Talks. Like, come on, let's, let's be there honest. Was, there, was, there were several comments that were made that were, I love to hear, that were basically like, dude, you peaked <laughs> with, with Tribi. So... Maybe we shouldn't. Uh, maybe like that should be the last one of the year. But no, we'll do more. It's fine. Anyway, he's gonna have. He's gonna have his SEC Coach of the Year acceptance speech. We're, we're gonna oh, get to some yeah. stuff. Let's let, let's okay, not forget. We got bowl season. Don't worry. Now there were a lot of good um, submissions uh, for the questions here on Fourth and Wrong this week. Some of them were just wildly inappropriate. Uh, we're not gonna get to all of them. <laughs> My there's a, there's a couple too that I want to let you guys know. We're gonna get to as the month goes on. Stuff like. What, every, what Christmas presents would each SEC coach buy for us or vice versa? Um, all that tips for broke college student, probably not going to get to that. Uh, there's one that was submitted that just says, Missing Chocolate Lab $500 reward. Best of luck, because we, we're, we're dog people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I am, but... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You whoa. have a cat. I have a cat named Rudy. I, let's... <laughs> Shout out Rudy. He's in the other room right now. He can hear me. I'm a dog person. I grew up a dog person. I like both, man. I, I, I'm not a, like a universal cat person where I'm like going to sit there and yeah. say that all if cats pray, are amazing. change. What is it Angela said? <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. Um, anyway, regardless, I hope you find your chocolate lab. Also, not the best way to go about it. You got to post a picture and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but there are a lot of good submissions. There's a couple of good things for Christmas that we will definitely get to later, uh, maybe not just this week. So thank you, as always, for reaching out. First and foremost, though, from Nick363, real or fake Christmas tree? Fake all the way. Are you kidding me, Connor? All the way. I swear to God you're not going to be allowed to stay in this apartment. All the way. So um, how much... How much uh, maintenance and, and time have you had to put into your real Christmas tree? We haven't gotten one yet, but we w- I will never have a fake Christmas tree. So how much time do you spend getting your real Christmas tree every year? Hard, hardly any at all. We go pick one out. We go put it on the top of Allie's bomb. Be- well, I mean, I don't think it wasn't even tough last year. We just, I mean, when the service elevators are working <laughs> in the apartment complex, it's it's pretty simple. And you just water it every once in a while. It smells great. I mean, so does air You live freshener. in Florida and have a fake Christmas tree? Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Uh, I simply go into go into our closet. I pick out the tree. We set it up. It takes 20 minutes. I did it during halftime of the Michigan Ohio State game on Saturday. Gross. Yeah, that's how mean, easy it is. I, I I we get a a natural, what are they called? Some Douglas fir Christmas tree. I'm sure, it's a I mess. I water it with Bud Light and Texas Pete the entire season. It's it, it, it honestly that honestly keeps it alive for longer, in my opinion, at least emotionally. Hydrates it. So yeah. okay, I, every I mean every week, Connor. Every week, you I'm, say I'm something. I'm disagree with you on that. I, I've I just, I've had a real Christmas tree in my house. I just think that the I fake tree is the way to go. I only in there because I thought we were going to be on the same page. About no, it. no, sorry. Jesus. Okay. I sw- I, if you're if you answer, I'm, I'm not going to say differently. I'm going to say wrongly on this next one. I, I I will cut the broadcast short. There's a right ketchup, or wrong answer. Ketchup on chicken wings, right or wrong? That is submitted by Matt Gunther on Instagram. Ketchup on chicken wings, right or wrong? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it in Spanish for you. No. Thank God. If you, ugh. Whew. Yeah, that's I'm, disgusting. I'm also the person that I think I maybe, I only have ketchup. The only time I ever have ketchup is with fries, and that's if barbecue yeah. sauce isn't available. 
That's it. Uh, see, I'm not a barbecue with fries guy. People that put mayonnaise on their fries are garbage people or British. Oh. Um, yeah, that's I hate mayonnaise. So yeah, the ketchup on chicken wings. I, I think when I was like six, maybe I was like, oh, you can put these are like chicken nuggets. You can just put ketchup on it. And my mom was like, no, Chris, we're not communists. You don't do that. That's disgusting. Um, so no offense, Matt Gunther. The answer is no. The answer is wrong. Hard no. Please stop doing that. Yeah. Uh, third question: What should, what should I buy my girlfriend for Christmas? That is from at the Southern Soul on Instagram. I got a couple suggestions. Okay. One, you should buy her a subscription to the SDS podcast. Congratulations, it's free. Boom, you're welcome. Definitely do that. You should also consider this, the the Manny Petty combo is Ooh. is money in the bank. You cannot go you wrong. You, all you got to do, go to her favorite place where she gets her nails done, get the full mani-pedi. It's not quite like the spa thing. The spa thing's a little bit of a roll of the dice, more of a roll of the dice than you think. weird, too. Because, yeah, they can be weird. I've done that before for, for, yeah. for my wife, too. And if you don't like the masseuse, it doesn't end up being yeah. the greatest experience. That's a mani Uber ride, but you're being touched the whole time. Mani-pedi at her favorite nail place. You cannot go wrong. It's money yeah. in the bank. Um, my fiance wants a Peloton. Ooh, those are pricey. Pri- those are like two thousand dollars. Those are really pricey. If I wanted to ride a bike, I would just go back to being seven. So I mean, she's not getting that. Sorry if you're listening, babe, but you're not getting that. Um, so what I would say is, and this is different for because like I mean, my my fiance is the breadwinner <laughs> in our relationship. So I like to make a macaroni necklace for her every year, and she says she loves it. So no, do something from like the heart though. Like, give like I'm. I'm I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing, but like a trip together could be nice or something. Just there's my favorite quote of all time. And this is not great for Christmas because it's Christmas and everyone's going to be opening presents that day. This is from the movie Finding Forrester. This is the key to not the, the absolute key, but it's a key to any good relationship. Unexpected gift, unexpected time. Just listen to some key words and some things that she says, like what Connor just said, like her favorite uh, Manny Petty place and just out of nowhere surprise her with one so my best advice to you give her something right before Christmas smart I like that I like that unexpected a lot. gift unexpected time you're welcome that is like the key not the key but anyway uh, question four what do we do now that college football is over that is from Sandwich Harris on Instagram oh. alright this is pretty simple you've been loading up that DVR for a reason you can rewatch the entire season, pretend that the season just happened again, and that's going to cover at least you know four months in here, something like that. You can sprinkle in you know your spring football, your draft. That's going to take away some of your time. You can start talking media days right around that time, and pretty soon the season's going to be started back up again. All you got to do is just rewatch the season. Yeah, I've I have most of the games recorded. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, and that that is um, honestly, it's been a long season. I'll probably take a little bit of time to just kind of like relax and unwind maybe watch some netflix for like a week or so um but once it gets to be like when february hits the day after the super bowl um it's a big it's the, the most panicked day in america i think it's the worst it, it is like the sunday scaries like when you've like drank all weekend and you have like this like like un like there's just no way to fix your anxiety and you're just like like panting nonstop, kind of how i am like always mm-hmm. um that, that's how i feel the day after the super bowl now, I will say also, 
the Tuesday after the national championship game is usually fine for me because I'm celebrating a national championship. It's whatever. But wow. the Wednesday of that week is pretty tough because it's like, oh, my God, it came and went so fast. And that is what she said, for one. And two, what I'll end up doing that day is whatever I want to make me happy. I will eat my feelings. I will watch The Office. I will lay in a ball and listen to anything besides Uncle Cracker. Um, just stuff that makes me feel better. Do you, boo-boo. Treat yourself. Maybe get that mani-pedi. I don't know. You, make, I'll, me, I'll, you make me smile. Said the oh great Uncle God. Cracker. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, number five, uh, most annoying Christmas song. That is from God Bless Us Everyone on Twitter. Why don't you, why don't you go first? Because I, I feel like I know where you're going, and I'm going to disagree with you. Well, I'm going to say two things, and I, and I meant because I realized I didn't say this in the Halloween episode. The Monster Mash is the single worst song in the history of music. It is. God awful. It should never be played outside of just Halloween Day. The Monster Mash is unequivocally the worst song in the history of the world. Now, for Christmas, my least favorite song of all time, probably the, and I, I hate to even say it because of that sweet Hawaiian prince that plays quarterback for me, but that mini Kawanka. Yeah. That's, yeah, I don't like that one. I would say that's up there. I thought, and I think if you ask this question to the general public, they would, you know, go Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. If you don't think Ooh. that song is... song? That they would, I think the general public would say that. I am not saying that. If you don't think that song is catchy, you're lying to yourself, for one. It's catchy, yeah. it's, it's catchy as crap. Let's just admit it. Let's. Why do we have to try and deny that that song is super catchy? I don't want a for Christmas. That's pretty good. I'm shocked that you hit that note. Dude, honestly, I've been working. Mike, I mean, Bay is a really good singer, and I've been trying to, I've been practicing. But yeah, that song rules. What's the most annoying song though? I, I don't, I don't really know if there's like a most annoying. You know, ten turtle doves, five golden. You oh, know, why they do all God. the counting? I don't need to count. And we, and how long is that song gonna too last? Long. Way too long. And That's the most annoying. Crappy gifts. Yeah. You proud of me for not saying blanky? <laughs> It's all let's, blanky gifts. Let's end with it might mean too much. Uh, let's before we do though. Actually, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Man, threw me off my game. Sorry. It sounded like you had something important to say. I do, but I'll, I'll wait till after. It's very important, so make sure you stick around, guys. All right, we alluded to this earlier. Danny Cannell's new low. He tweeted this out after the rankings came out, and part of this made sense. Part of it, well, the last part didn't at all. No, it was ridiculous. Danny Cannell tweeted, Washington should be the highest ranked three loss team. They lost all three games on the road by five points or less. Well, technically the Auburn game was neutral site, but whatever. It's not really that close. And they damn sure didn't get shut out at home or give up 74 points in a game. Basically, Danny Cannell saying that Washington should be ahead of LSU because let's not forget that LSU just let up 74 points in that game against Texas A&M. We don't need to put in there that there were seven overtimes played. That's not important. That doesn't move That's... the narrative. I So the reason why this bothered me personally is because, like I've said, I have recently said, like, you know, I don't mind Danny Cannell. Like, and, and I get what he's doing. He's, and he's a funny dude for the most part, and, and I, get, I get what he's doing. But a couple weeks ago when I made a, a comment about we first started going back and forth, and I, I kind of questioned it for a minute. I was like, wait a second, is he serious or kidding? Because he made some, thing about, about, made some comment about manipulative journalism and has us like manipulating and, uh, and changing the narrative in our favor 
Um, and I don't know if he meant with the SEC or SDS or whatever he was saying. It was probably SDS. It probably was SDS, and that's that's fine. That's whatever you want to say. I don't, <laughs> I don't write for us, so I don't care. That's not true. I do. I I defend us to the death. But when you say stuff like that, and now and keep in mind, I say stuff that are hot takes or whatever, and I get fired up. There was absolutely no reason to like you. You made a good point. Washington is a maybe they should be the top three loss team. It's an irrelevant point at that, but who cares? You're right. You went out of your way to ruin your own argument. What in the hell are you talking about? Seven overtimes. Doesn't matter. Right. Doesn't does you need to factor in the conversation. This is all about <sighs> just looking at the bare facts, which is what Danny Canal is so good at doing. I, I would give him the benefit of the doubt. It was so weird. I would give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he's just trying to troll or whatever. But when you listen to Ryan Russillo talk about him, if you listen to Russillo podcast and you hear the way that he talks about Danny Cannell, he's a guy who spent a, at least a year, maybe probably two, co-hosting a show with him. Yeah. And he says, like, that's the most annoying thing that Cannell does is that he's serious about this. He tries to play it off and say that he's kidding and he's being sarcastic. If you look at his Twitter bio, he'll be like, I need a sarcasm font. He's he. It actually makes him mad, and that's that's it's, the depressing thing about this. Is like you, you're just come on, come on, guy. Like this, this was like the weakest point I've ever seen him make, and it, I mean, it, it's like, like oh my god, like I mean, it. Ugh. The only the only only thing I can think of is to be like, yeah, I don't like watching. You know, I'm not even gonna get into it. It's gonna be a, an inappropriate <laughs> example on analogy, but it just it was it. God, it just made me so mad because it was like, dude. Even this is Uncle Chris talking. Even I know you're above that. What are you doing? What are you doing, Ross? What are you doing, man? <laughs> God dang, Danny! What are you doing? Anyway, um, no, we'll close with we'll close with that. Uh, and if you want to see more passionate takes like that, this is before we get to the five star views and all that kind of stuff. I want to say one more time, guys. Really, really, really hope you guys make it out Friday night at Sports and Social. Yes. This is not one of those plugs that we're doing where you skip ahead. This is, I want to see y'all there. I I personally bought a bunch of free stuff to give away for you guys, so you'll be there um, on Friday night. We'll have happy hour. We'll have a Q&A. We'll have me and Connor. We'll be live. I might try to grow out a beard. Who knows? But make sure you're at Sports and Social Friday night, the night before the big game, Come to Happy Hour down south, uh, starting at 6 o'clock. It'll end at 9 or triple question mark for however long we have fun. Yeah. But make sure you are there. We would love to see you there. Um, and that's about it, guys. That's uh, Please, please, please come on out. Um, I really, it's our first time doing something like this. Uh, so, you know, I don't want it to end up like my sixth grade birthday party. Or no one shows up, and Way it's just too me. Soon. Way yeah. too soon. Yeah, well, just make sure it's not me and my, you know, like like my parents. That's all I'm saying. We got two five-star reviews to get to. I'll read the long one. I'll read. Let me fault. read the, the first one from uh, yeah. Lumberjack BW, and then we'll get to the Aggie fan who felt like we yeah. disrespected him. And we did. Subject line, hmm, what's smoother than Bud Light and hotter than Texas Pete? This podcast. I enjoy this podcast on my long drives to and from work. The Coach O segments are legend, wait for it, legendary, dairy. You messed that up. I, I messed that up, up so bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shout out Barty Stinson. I'm sorry I got your line wrong. My bad. Unbelievable. All right. Now, this is from Drop Kick Aggie. Uh, the subject line is SEC, SEC, SEC. I think he meant it as a chance. I, I didn't do it at a service. Now, I, I volunteered 
to read this one because he is right, and, I, and I'm not, I'm glad we're going to read this one. Love to listen to y'all so I can keep up to date on the rest of the SEC as an Aggie. Being here is so much better than the little 12, and most Ags will say the same. Want to use this platform to inform the rest of your SEC followers what the Ags win over the Swamp Kitties means to us, and I hope you have the stones to read it in your five-star reviews, which, as I understand, you read all of them. Now, here we go. Y'all did barely touch on the fact that this is our first win over LSU since we entered the SEC, but there's so much more than that, and I'm not sure why you... Wait, hold on, I'm sorry. Why, I'm, I'm not sure why some of these weren't covered in the podcast since some are widely known. We went 3-1 and one in November, a month where we always, in caps, struggle. Parentheses, big deal for us. Undefeated against the SEC at Kyle Field this season for the first time since we joined the league. Parentheses, and only defeat at home was to number two Clemson by two points. Aggies are number two in the SEC West for the first time since we joined the league. Mon has solidified himself as the absolute undisputed leader of this team. By the way, he did not back down or quit even through struggles in this game in the last few weeks. The team overall showed, in all caps, grit in the face of an impossible task. So many years before, under the previous staff, we would have folded, but when they saw an opportunity, they got it done. I have goosebumps right now. More and more confidence <laughs> and excitement about the future of the Jimbo Fisher era of Aggieland and a perfect way to cap off an exciting yet stressful up-and-down season. I respect your opinions that you think there was bad officiating. Everybody has a right to do so, absolutely. But to do, but to allow that to keep the focus on LSU losing, in all caps, and barely touch on A&M winning, in all caps, in the pod is disappointing. Y'all are usually better about looking from both teams' perspectives, especially since you spent plenty of time delving into why this game was so important to LSU, it's who didn't novel. even win the game. Dude, dropkick Aggie, you could not be more spot on, and, and I apologize. And I'm not saying this in any kind of sarcastic way at all. I, I appreciate you calling us out and calling me out because you're right. You're right about every, every single thing you said. And we did, we did do a disservice to A&M fans and what happened in that game and, and, and kind of fairly reporting it from both sides. I apologize. I don't want to speak for Connor, but I know Connor probably feels a certain way about it as well. I apologize for nothing. I did absolutely nothing wrong. I gave them all the respect that they deserve. Anyway, no. But this is this is why one. I want to say thank you for listening. Yes. Two. I want to say thank you for taking the time to write all that. And I'm not saying that in any kind of sarcastic way. No. I said I got goosebumps. I'm not playing around. Like Connor, I don't know if you can see since your thing is frozen, but I have goosebumps right now because it's that kind of passion. And when you said what it meant to Aggie fans, that that kind of lit me lit a fire under me a little bit because that yeah you're right. And I'm sorry that we overlooked that, and and I really do appreciate you you listing it line by line, because that I mean yeah like this this is what this means to teams in the SEC and this I think the way you phrased all this, as I mean it, I, it was long and I messed up a couple of the sentences and I apologize for that, but yeah this is what makes the SEC so great and that kind of passion and how you feel about your team. One thank you for doing it in an eloquent way and not calling us stupid or anything like that. But yeah, man, that's I, it. Means a lot, and I appreciate you guys being such like faithful listeners and and being able to say stuff like that and call us out when we need to hear it. So thank you very much, Dropkick Aggie. Um, you're the man. If I wanted to give a backhanded compliment right now, Don't. I would There's say There's no reason to at all. I would say welcome to the SEC A and M. Oh, but, that is ridiculous. But I won't say that. But I won't say. That. See, I said if I well, wanted see, to I, say. Here's what I, here, Connor, and I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm I mean this. Okay, I'm the one that's supposed to be the. Can I say a hole? <laughs> I'm I'm the asshole of the podcast, not you, you idiot. Come on now, this guy, this this was this was a really good compliment. 
I said if I wanted to say that. I didn't you say did. it. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know why you would do that. That was. I just. I mean, I. So back to what I said, Dropkick Aggie. I meant what I said. I meant what you. I said too. I'm sorry for our our idiot co-host <laughs> who I thought was the responsible one. I can't be the responsible one. Let's close things out. Make sure that you are watching Facebook Live. I might even make a guest appearance on Facebook Live. No, that on... attitude you won't. Oh, I will. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just watching Die Hard in the background during the whole. You're wa- we're watching Die Hard Friday night, and, and uh, it's because I know you're not going to watch it before you get here. That's yeah, that's probably true. I got a yeah, lot to do. So it's it's Championship Week, man. I got a lot to take care of. Um, thank you guys for listening, though. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media channels. I'm going to try and post some some good videos of uh, Uncle Chris reacting to all things Bama <laughs> on Saturday. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll be sitting up in, uh, up, I think we're in the upper deck Saturday, right? That's where yeah, our tickets are? we are. It'll be a lot of fun, though. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod, at CMarlarSDS, at CJ O'Gara. Yeah, if you guys are at the game, definitely hit us up because we'll be outside filming and doing Bo stuff there, too. show, as the kids say. Uh, Coach O. Give us a line. It doesn't have to be a line about AM or about how you got robbed by the refs, as, as we said. Oh my God, what is wrong we with won't you? Say Why anything, are you doing this right now? We won't say anything about that. Give us our most important thing to remember this weekend. I'm sorry for Connor. First off, am I mean too much? Roll time. Talk to you Saturday night or maybe Sunday morning. We'll figure that out. Talk to you Friday night, sports and social. We'll see you there. Ooh, that too. Thanks, guys. Great.